Hello, everyone. I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. At Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us going all day. And what powers that mission is people. Here to Help is a look at how experience, strength, and hope inspires people to want to help others. I am very excited to introduce our very special guest for today's episode. Blessing Adeshian is the founder and CEO of Mother Honestly, a community-powered work-life care platform that is transforming benefits for employers and employee caregivers. Blessing began her career in chemical engineering and led operational energy and global business solutions for various Fortune 100 companies, including PepsiCo, Cargill, DuPont, and BASF. Today, Mother Honestly has built sustainable home and workplace solutions that reach over 1 million women and families globally. Blessing is joining us today from Lagos, Nigeria. Blessing, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's start where we always start these conversations. How are you doing today, right now? Well, I'm doing great. I just picked up my kids. So it's um, it's around 4 p.m. here in Nigeria. Um, so I picked up my kids from school because they're still very young. So I just kept them in a preschool. And um, yeah, one of them literally tripped while we were, you know, coming up the stairs. So just just another day, uh, life in the big city as a mother of four. <laughs> So, Blessing, you are the founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. And for those that don't know, can you tell us what Mother Honestly is and what your mission is? Absolutely. So I started Mother Honestly while I was still working. I can say it now. It's my former employer and they were very good to me. Um, I was still working at BASF. Um, it's a chemical company. And I was in supply chain and I was super excited about my job. And then I found out that I was expecting my second child. And at that point, my first child was born in 2009. And so this was 2018. So you can imagine it was a nine-year difference. And so I started panicking. Um, because, you know, now my career was in high gears and my husband was also doing well. He was also working at BASF at the time. So we were both this, we were both having this high powered career. And then now we're going to throw, you know, a baby into the mix. You know, we had a nine-year-old and now it's going to be a 10-year-old and a baby. Um, and so that was when I started, you know, thinking about, you know, how, how do I balance this, Right. Um, and so I started talking to a lot of my friends and during those conversations, really asking, how are you, you know, how are you effectively combining work and family? Because it doesn't, you know, it's not, I can't seem to understand how to piece this all together. If I have to go back to work and continue taking care of my family and still travel the world at that point, I was managing four or five different plants. And so I would, you know, at any time be told, hey, we need to go to Mexico for this. And I would say, yes, let's go. Um, and so now I have to really think about that. Uh, so I got really, really worried um, about my career and my future. And when I started talking to other women, 
they were like, yeah, didn't you know you had a child? I said, well, that she's now net 10, you know, like I, maybe I forgot. And so we started having this conversation about what will it take for women to, you know, thrive in the workplace. And um, I started interviewing, not just women, I started talking to men. And that was when it hit me um, that we have not tried to solve for parents and caregivers in the workplace. And that was when what honestly came to be. And it, you know, the, the reality was, you know, it's it's a community built by mothers for everyone. Um, because who else um, other than mothers to solve this caregiving crisis um, that we've all found ourselves in this workplace that needs to be redesigned so every one of us can flourish as parents, as caregivers, as women of color, um, as gay LGBTQ, how do we all flourish in the workplace? So that that is the question. That is the question that we have, you know, sought out to to answer as a community. So as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you started your career as a chemical engineer, and we're going to get more into Mother Honestly and and all of the the work that you're doing here. But can you talk a little bit about um, your early experiences, your life growing up, and what led you to a career in engineering? Absolutely. So I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, for anyone who knows where that is. Um, it's it's somewhere in West Africa, and it's a, one of the largest um, country in, um, in Africa. So I grew up, you know, as a third girl in, so we had eight kids. My dad had eight kids, and it was four girls first, and then the last four were boys. And so my dad always wanted a, you know, he always wanted a boy, um, you know, after the first girl, the second girl, as the typical African man, he said, whoa, I need a, you know, I need a boy. And here I was, um, another girl. And so, you know, when I was growing up, it, it, you know, we just had a great time growing up um, in my family. We had a great um, childhood. And um, I remember my dad always saying, you know, I would be his German doctor. At that time, he was obsessed with um, doctors in Germany. And, um, and I, and I told him, I said, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to school and study engineering. And actually was very surprised because at that time there weren't a lot of women um, in, in Nigeria studying engineering. Um, and so I, you know, I, I did very well in math and physics and um, I went on to study chemical engineering at the University of Florida. Um, and I remember, you know, I think my background um, as a chemical engineer, I've always taught me to be a problem solver. Um, you know, I started my career as a capital project team leader, managing, you know, multi-million dollar portfolios and projects across, you know, high hazard operations, manufacturing. And, um, and so when I moved from that to, you know, operations, to supply chain, to energy management, at that point, your degree doesn't really matter anymore, right? You're, you're just now a problem solver. And so I did that for about 12 years. Um, you know, in various roles across various organizations. And um, it was, of course, during that time, I stumbled on this idea about, you know, reimagining care in the workplace. And I thought, well, why don't we apply the same organizational principles, right, around, you know, elevating <laughs> processes and businesses? Why don't we apply the same organizational principle to the issue of care? Because um, I was falling off the edge my father had brain tumor. Um, I had, you know, I have four kids and I still wanted to be an ambitious woman. I still wanted to feel fulfilled and energized and I couldn't do it all. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it all. And so I needed support. And I started talking to so many other women, so many other families. And they said, we need support too. This is, this is too much. This is unsustainable. 
Um, and so, yeah, that was my background and that was what led me to Moda Honestly today. So um, can you talk a little bit about just moving from the world that you were in of the Fortune 100, you know, engineering uh, profession into starting a company? And what did that look like for, for you and, and your family and your four kids? And, and what did you learn about yourself in that process? Oh, that was tough. I have to tell you, um, uh, what, what was crazy about my about that time when I look back was I was um, studying what honestly, I was studying an MBA in a top business school. I had two kids and I was pregnant with a third and I had just received um, a double promotion at work. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I, I started the parents caregiver at BASF. So I had five big things going on at the same time. Um, and so when I look back, that transition was really, really tough. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. It was tough because I not only had to, you know, get the work done, I also had to make sure that my kids were fine. I had to make sure my home was running properly. I had to make sure that my extended family, I come from a large family and, you know, again, a family of 10, right? So I had to make sure, and I was, you know, I was I was um, one of the eldest. And so I had to make sure that my younger ones were all doing fine. So it was really and truly um, a very um, challenging period. Um, my father was also sick at the same time. So I was caring for an elderly parent. So when we talk about the sandwich generation, that was something that I experienced firsthand during that time as well. And I think that that experience really shaped, um, you know, what Mother Honestly is today, which is expanding, not just, you know, speaking to women, but also speaking to anyone um, who has a caregiving responsibility. Um, but that transition, um, what made that transition really helpful was really having the right support. My partner was supportive. So he was the one, you know, doing the groceries, it was the one putting the kids to bed because I told him, I said, babe, we got to do this, right? Like, I really feel like this is a problem that needs to be solved in the world. And I feel like I'm equipped to do it. So I really need your support. And um, that man, you know, would scrub the toilets on weekends while I, you know, go to a coffee shop and, you know, send emails and put together flyers, <laughs> You know, uh, it was it was a really um, it, it was a fun and challenging period. Um, another thing that we did was we got um, we got a living nanny, and uh, you know I know I know a lot of people would gasp about that. That was a decision that we have to make um, because it was just too much for us. Uh, first of all, we feel very privileged to do that, um, but second of all, what that taught me was that you can truly get support that you need when you prioritize what is most important to you. At that point, what was important to me was somebody helping me with doing the laundry, helping me with, you know, um, making sure that the grocery meals were prepped, being there when the kids were dropped off because I couldn't be there for all three kids at the same time. My husband was also working a, you know, a very um, challenging job as well. It was also, a it was also um, an engineer. He's an electrical engineer. So we had a lot going on and we needed one stable person. Um, in the house. And so, you know, when we see women leave the workforce, it's exactly, this is exactly the, you know, um, the situation, right, that um, that leads to women leaving the workforce, because you can't be everything at the same time. And so I made a decision to say, hey, I can't, I, I know if I stay home, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> so um, we need to outsource this. And that was the best decision that we ever made. It was tough. We didn't go on vacation for four years, 
I mean, heck, we haven't been on vacation since since my son was born. He's now four and a half. So we've not been on vacation for close to five years now because of those kind of decisions. But it paid off for me because, you know, I was able to prioritize my mental health and really prioritize the work that I do now. So let's let's talk about that that work and specifically this idea um, that that you talk about of workplace care. So I think there's a lot of conversations that that we have about work life balance and about work well being. But can you talk about this idea of workplace care and what that means to you? So you know when I when I started my work, I'm gonna honestly initially when when I first started, you know I I thought I had a wrong you know I had I had an hypothesis. My hypothesis was that you know if women could just do more, right? If we could just you know do the color coding, manage our time, you know walk into our boss's office and ask for that promotion and really you know um, lean in, you know that was when the, the lean in conversation was really taking off. Um, so I thought you know we could be ambitious and we could really you know get things done in the work place. And so that was the, that was a little bit of the energy when we started Mother Honestly. And then, you know, as I started talking to women, so that, of course, it's a business school um, thing at that time where you have to go out and collect the voice of the customer. So I said, wait a minute, listen, before you go too far, why don't you collect the voice of the customer? And so I started, you know, just interviewing moms. I mean, I spoke to at least a thousand mothers in 2019. And I would ask them, what, what does it mean? You know, wh- why, what do you mean this is not working? Why? And they would say, blessing, I have two kids. My husband comes home late. You know, um, one of them has special needs. You know, my husband is sick or he's disabled. They had different reasons why things weren't working out. You know, no amount of color coding, no amount of, you know, time management could solve that problem. And so I started to realize that this is not, you know, this has nothing to do with this women, right? A lot of us have gone and received, you know, one of the best, you know, we've received the best education in the world. Women are earning, you know, higher, um, more degrees than men um, in a lot of areas. And, you know, lo and behold, we are still here, um, not progressing. And and why is that? And so that was when I realized that, whoa, I, I have it all wrong. Um, the workplace was not designed for us. And so in order for us to really accomplish anything in the workplace, we have to take that energy, right? That energy that I, when I started, not honestly, I said, we have to take that energy into the workplace. And so I stopped talking to women and I faced employers and I said, what are you doing? Please tell me, like, how, how are you supporting your employees? How are you making this work for them? And they said, well, you know, we have some DEI initiatives and, you know, we're just, you know, they, there's an ERG group, you know, they all had something, but it was not working. So that was when the concept of work-life care came to be, which is how do we make sure, similar to healthcare, dental care, how do we make sure that we design care that allows everyone to flourish at home and in the workplace? And so what does that mean? What does that mean for the employer? And what does that mean for the employee? Because a lot of time when we talk about care benefits or care solutions, we're always talking about, oh, the employer needs to do this. The employer needs to do that. But when we talk about work-life care in this context, it is what can managers do? What can HR do? What can the employee themselves? How can you make sure that you're doing your best work? How do you make sure that you're doing something that you love? Because when you're doing something you love, then it doesn't really matter, right? At that point, you're able to really share, you know, how you're feeling, right? Because you're doing something you love and you're able to speak. You're able able to parent out loud, right? You're able to say, 
hey, like, you know, I really have this report that I need to, you know, turn in today. But my, you know, my daughter is, my daughter just tripped down the stairs. It's going to take me another 30 minutes. And everybody understands because they know that you love your job and your manager, because they also have that toolkit um, of care. They're able to say, yes, that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait another 30 minutes or we'll wait another, another day. Um, that is not, you know, work is, work goes on. And so those are the kind of concepts we started exploring when it comes to work-life care. It's this idea that we can truly value care in the workplace, right? Now, one of the things that you've talked about um, that I think many people probably haven't thought about is this idea that that care in the workplace is is subsidized, but it's subsidized for a certain group of people. Can you can you explain what you mean by that? Oh, absolutely! Oh my God, um, Chris, <laughs> that is that is a topic that um, that I I I it's it, it really gets me gets me excited, um, and 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 it's not it's it's something that I. I talk about when I when I when I get emotional because you know when I, I said it before that the workplace wasn't designed for women um, and and the reality is that it was designed for for men and you know no offense to the men in the group um, because my husband my husband is a guy and I tell him all the time I said in fact there was a day my husband looked at me and he was like wow this the world is really rigged against you all right um, because it, you know we walked. A BASF together. And, you know, the things that, you know, he got away with, I wasn't able to get away with it. You know, um, when I come in and I say my, my daughter is sick or something happened, you know, I get this eye like, oof, yeah, right. Another excuse, you know, but when he comes in and he says, oh, you know, I had to drop off my daughter. It's like, great work. Look at you, <laughs> you know? Um, so he came one morning and he said, wow, you know, I think because of everything you say about mother, honestly, I now pick up a lot of this you know, differences, right, that exist in the workplace. Um, and so, yeah, so it's subsidized a lot, especially for white men, right? Because a lot of men, if you look at it, you know, we designed the workplace, you know, um, to to fit the lifestyle of a man who has a stay-at-home wife um, that made his lunch and his breakfast and, you know, sends him off to work. And, you know, she then takes the kids to school. And so now, you know, the man is literally you know, focused on his work and is able to be productive and it worked back then. But now we're in a situation where women have now, you know, made their way into the workplace and we are now seeking, um, you know, a workplace that allows us to really fully to thrive and for us to bring our full self, right, into that workplace. And we found we've met a lot of resistance, right? Because, you know, those men are telling us, no, that this is not how it's done, right? Like, you know, in the workplace, you come in and you literally leave all your baggage, you know, your kid is sick, your whatever, you know, we don't care, right? What we care about is you get the work done. But Chris, I, I mean, I sh- I'm, I'm sure you talk about this all the time. A lot of time that doesn't work, right? Um, because we are human and we are, we are human beings. And a lot of our experiences cannot, we can't just stop thinking about a sick dad, you know, with a brain tumor or a sick partner. Um, and so how do we make sure that this workplace that has been heavily subsidized for, for men um, works for women? So that is, that is the work that we, we are doing um, here at Mother Honestly. Yeah. And that, that conversation is one that I think has, has taken uh, root since the pandemic where, um, you know, we, you and I spoke about this last week in, in our prep for this discussion that before the pandemic, 
if I asked you, how are you doing? Most people, certainly in America, would say, oh, I'm doing great or I'm doing fine. And that's why we actually start these conversations with that question, how are you doing? Because suddenly in, in March of 2020, people started giving honest answers to that question. And we are seeing through these, these little windows here, an actual window into people's lives that uh, it turns out are far more complicated than we ever really allowed in the workplace. And, um, you know, my, my hope is that this is something that this awareness and this compassion that's come from that uh, will expand, you know, extend beyond people now coming back into, into offices for, for those people who were fortunate enough <laughs> during the pandemic to be able to work from home. And so one of the things uh, about the impact of the pandemic that, that we talked about and, you know, the, the, the U.S. here, um, the, the numbers are pretty staggering. 1.5 million mothers uh, suspended their careers and are yet to return, um, specifically because the pandemic disrupted their children's lives. And can you uh, talk about what the role is that, that we all play to, to help elevate women and families and to, and to try to correct some of these things so, so that doesn't become a, a permanent state? Well, I, I start with something simple. Um, and one of the, and I think I share this with you. Um, you know, I think every, all men should do laundry. Um, I think that's where we start. It's a very simple task. Um, and it's something that we can all check in at work to see, you know, who has, who did laundry this week? Um, because, it, you know, it's so important, right? For us to really start, start bringing our humanity into the workplace. Um, a lot of time, you know, managers don't understand what I'm going through. Um, and so because of that, I want to hide everything. I told you when I, when I, my, when my father had a brain tumor, I was also a single mother at the time. And um, my father said, you know, you have to take me to, you know, the MRI every week um, on Monday and Wednesdays and Fridays, because they were, they were monitoring the brain tumor. It was very large. And he was trying to not do the operation right away. He was trying to buy more time. Um, even though we were very against it, we said, okay, no problem. I'll take you. So we had this Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, you know, MRI and so many other appointments in between. And at the same time, I had to drop off my daughter and pick up my daughter at the same time. So I have, you know, pick up, drop, um, drop off and pick up and then, you know, appointments in between. And I also had my job to do. Um, but my, my manager already knew at the time that I was a single mother. <laughs> and so, you know, it was already making some snacky comments about, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I, my, 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 my wife drops off our, our kid. Um, you know, can you get some support? And I said, no, I'm a single mom. There's no support anywhere for me. So I, you know, I still do the drop off and the pickup. Um, the, what, the best I could do is get an after school. So we got an after school and that extended the time a little bit. But so now I'm a little worried, right? Because, whoa, how do I tell this man that I now have my dad to take care of, right? So the, the workplace has not um, really, we haven't exactly figured out how to allow people like myself bring that humanity into the workplace. And so what does that mean? It means that I can be transparent with you. I don't trust you. Um, I, I believe that you, you're not empathetic enough to my situation, my current situation as a single mother. So therefore I would not tell you about, you know, my dad. And so now I'm trying, I'm sneaking in and out of work. You need to see me. I was like a ninja. I would stand by, you know, this was when we're still in the office, you know? So I would stand and make sure that he left for lunch 
And that was when I took off, you know, to go pick up my dad and I would, you know, swing right back and, you know, kind of just sneak into my chair. Sometimes I'm like, where are you coming from? And I'm like, oh, you know, I went to this other department to go figure out something and now I'm back, you know? So I was pretty much lying my way through. I mean, I have to be honest, but I was very worried because I didn't want to lose my job. And so when women left the workforce, um, it was because the caregiving and the domestic responsibilities lied lies entirely on women. And we haven't exactly figured out a way to support women at home. And who are the people that need to support women at home, right? Men, men. So until we value care at home, we can value care in the workplace. If my manager was able to value care at home, if he was actually the one doing some drop-offs for his daughter and not his wife, if he was taking care of of a sick relative, he probably would have said, you know what? I understand. So why don't you shift your schedule a little bit? Why don't you, you know, take as much time you need for drop off? And then, you know, maybe when you're, when you go pick up afterwards, you can, um, you know, you can get back on your laptop and get X, Y, and Z done. Uh, But he wasn't empathetic enough. He had no clue how anything was done at home. And so therefore he was not able to extend that empathy in the workplace. So these are just examples of how, you know, and it was so, of course, it was no surprise, right? When the pandemic came and women had to leave because, gee, who else was going to do it? We saw everything, you know, men were hiding in their office, taking calls, you know, I mean, some men, maybe not all, you know, but a good proportion of men were, you know, in their office while mom was, you know, I was, I know I was in the kitchen. I was in the kitchen, my laptop, walking and flipping pancakes, right? Um, Just to make sure that my kids were fed. And no offense to my husband, he's a great guy, but he was like, hello, you know, joining the 8 a.m. call, you know? <laughs> so um, so these are the things, right? So why don't, you know, even in the pandemic, I look back, why did we start meetings at eight o'clock still? Why? You know, it, it, didn't, make, it didn't make any sense. We were working our behinds off from 8 a.m. sometimes till 7, 8 p.m. You know, some people were even walking through the night because they were trying to catch up um, on missed work. So these were the issues. And now we have women back into the workplace, right? And so how do we make sure that women are coming back to a workplace that works for them? So that does lead to this question now about the future of work or or the future that's already here. Uh, as people are coming back into the office and trying to figure out the work from home, the hybrid model, the in-office, how do you, how do you look at that through the lens of care? Wow, I think that we need to let people be productive on their own terms. Um, and, and that's one of the one of the amazing things I love about Indeed. When I spoke to some of the women, especially in the um in the caregivers group, you know, some said, Hey, blessing, I'm working from home now, right? Some said, I love, you know, working in the office, so I'm doing hybrid. Um, and I think that that is where we need to get to is, you know, pr- giving employees the opportunity to have a say in where they work and how they work. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, and, and this is why I, I believe that it needs to be a two-way street, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, employees are just going to go around and doing whatever they like. But I think that it allows us to say, look, we know that in order to be productive, you need to be, you need to be in a good place. You know, I have a, I have a young, I have a, I have a, a my, my five-year-old son um, was talking to my daughter and, you know, they were playing, um, they were playing um, golf, mini golf. 
And my my daughter, my you know, my 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 five-year-old was it was just doing so well, it was hitting it. And my daughter was like, Whoa, what is going on? Right. So he goes, he goes to she goes to him and says, you know, Dikomi, you know, you're doing so well, right? Like, wow, I'm so proud of you. And he said, Well, do you want to play like me? And she, she said, Yeah, of course I want to play like you. And he said, Well, you let me let me tell you something. And my daughter leans in and he says, you know, you just got to have good energy. You got to feel good about yourself. You got to feel good about, about yourself and have good energy. And that is exactly what we need in the workplace. We need people to feel good about themselves. Because if you, if you don't feel good about yourself, there's no way you can do your best work. Um, it's not about deleting meetings. It's not about, you know, um, making people work longer hours or making, forcing people to come into the workplace. What we need is for people to feel really good about themselves for people to feel motivated. That is the key ingredient to the future of work. That is the key ingredient to the hybrid remote. Uh, for me, it doesn't even matter because sometimes I'm like, gee, I want to go into the office. I really want to get out of this, you know, babies are crying and no, I don't want to be here. I want to, I want to be where I can really, you know, focus and go heads down. And some days I don't want to leave my house. I just want to, you know, focus on, you know, get the kids out of the house or have them in a play area so I can quickly get my work done. So flexibility is not even a, it's a spectrum. There's no real definition to it. And that is what we need to understand. So as women come back into the workplace, which a lot of women have returned to the workplace, a lot of parents, men included, are returning to the workplace. We need to make sure that when we, when we define flexibility, it needs to be flexibility on everybody's terms. It needs to be flexibility on the terms of the employer and it needs to be flexibility on the parts of the employee. That is the only way we can achieve success in the workplace. If you like this interview and want to hear more, hit subscribe. Catch up on any Here to Help episodes you might have missed, like my conversation with Adam Orman, and get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Blessing Adesion after this break. So uh, earlier this year, we uh, announced a, a partnership between Indeed and Mother Honestly, and uh, we did uh, a series of, of events earlier in, in August. Can you talk a little bit about the partnership and how that came about? Absolutely. So we, I, I can't remember how Indeed found us, which I'm super excited um, that it Indeed found us. Indeed is one of the best partners we've had this year. And I mean that um, with every every fiber in me. We've had a wonderful, wonderful um, time and experience with everyone. Um, Kate Black and, you know, Dawn and, and Taylor, just really amazing, um, amazing people. They've been lockstep with us every single day since we started a partnership. Um, and so we started with how do we, you know, get more women, right, to how do we help them find good jobs? And so I came up with a theme of level up, right? Women had just left the workforce and they were coming back. And so the idea was how do we make sure that when women come back into the workplace, they're not starting back from scratch, right? That they are actually elevating their career, that they, are, that they have a path right, to success in the workplace. And so that was where the idea for Level Up came up, um, came about. And so we started talking to women about, okay, how do you find a new career? How do you find a new job? And then if you already have a job, how do you keep that job, right? How do you keep, how do you stay fulfilled? How do you stay excited and energized 
about what you're doing. So so far, we've you know we've 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 spoke with uh, the level of podcast newsletters, um, the conference. We've reached thousands and thousands of, of women and families. And we recently had an interview readiness. Um, I think it was an ex- interview readiness exchange with Indeed as well. And that went really well. We were able to source over 100 um, women to, you know, do a mock-up interview and get them ready um, to um, for success, right, as they as they go about their new job. So that has been an exciting um, moment for us. And now we are we are talking about 2023 because I'm I'm on a roll. I'm having I'm having a great time um, with Indeed. A lot of um, our moms come to us and they're like, whoa, is this is this an Indeed company or Mother Honesty? And I'm like, well, it's both, you know, um, it's both. We are here to elevate um, care in the workplace. And Indeed has been a wonderful partner in that regards because um, we can achieve this alone. We can do this alone. Um, we need employers like Indeed who are walking the talk um, and who are willing to go the extra mile, Right. Um, and that has been a true benefit, not just for myself, but for my team and for women in our community. So since, as you laid out very, very clearly, the the workplace wasn't created with with equity at the core and, and wasn't created with, with care at the core, how can employers start to think about ways to essentially rebuild the workplace with, with care at the core? I think it starts with transparency. I think it starts with transparency and trust. Um, you know, that sounds like the double T. It sounds like transparency and trust. And we can only have that by having conversations. Um, I cannot, you know, I can't say this enough. We need to have conversations. Um, because a lot of time, you know, when, when I just spoke about my, my son, right? There, there's an assumption that that boy is healthy, right? There's an assumption that is, you know, he's doing well, he's great, he's fantastic. But what most people don't know that this is the same boy, right? That literally just tripped and almost, you know, he, I mean, he has a huge scar now um, on his neck. And we, I have to go tend to that right after this. Um, there's an assumption that, you know, um, your partner is is healthy, right? And we have so many people in the workplace that are that have sick partners, disabled children. Um, so many LGBTQ, um, you know, family and friends that have, they have choice family, right? Because maybe they don't have a family of their own and now they have choice family and they are worried about those people as well. And so how do we make sure that the workplace also works for those people? How do we make sure that the workplace works for a single mother, right? That doesn't have, <laughs> you know, any, any, any backup. Um, I remember when I used to work for DuPont, I was traveling. I used to travel across Europe, Middle East and Asia. And um, I would, there was a time I was in Morocco and I had to literally pack my daughter up. I, I was a single mom at the time. So I took Tayo from Philadelphia and drove all the way to Wilmington, Delaware, dropped off with a friend um, and drove back to Philadelphia to fly to Morocco. And so Tayo was with her for two weeks, right? And so now I had no support, no care, um, except for this wonderful friend. And, and thank God for her, right? Or I would be nowhere. So I have no family in the United States. Um, it's just me. And so how is the workplace supposed to work for me? I called my boss. I said, oh, you know, Brian, is there a way you can support me? You know, I've worked so hard this year. We've made, you know, millions of dollars. Can you at least support with childcare? And he's, oh, no, oh, no, blessing. You know, team, team doesn't have, you know, team has never made a request. And he's been working with the company for 10 years. You know, he named all of these people. And I said, well, no offense, but these are all men, you know, whose care is subsidized by, by their partners, 
I don't have a partner. And even if I have a partner, it's probably a man, right? That also um, has his own career and his own job. And so I came back from that job and I, you know, I had to really sit down to think about if I wanted to continue. And two weeks later, I left that company um, because, you know, I felt like I wasn't considered, right? Um, I felt like I was not prioritized. I felt like they didn't care about me. They didn't care about my daughter. Um, And so that was very personal for me. And so, you know, in order for us to really bring, start having the conversation about care in the workplace, we need to start having conversations with people. We need to start asking, how are you doing? You know, what can I help with? Maybe even a check-in. I, I call it the care check-in, where we just check in with each other. You know, it, can, it doesn't have to be every day. It can be once a week. You know, it can be in a, in a group meeting to say, how is, how is everyone, how, how are we doing with care this week? You know, because everyone has a caregiving responsibility and there's an assumption that it's only moms. That's not true. So many people have elderly parents. So many people have left because of a sick child. It has nothing to do with maternity, right? It has nothing to do with adoption. This is now just the day-to-day. I had a, I, I had a friend who said, I have a chronic disease. And so I don't even have to go to the hospital. Sometimes I'm at work with my, you know, with my chronic disease. And so even just checking in with personally with people to say, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I think once we start having that conversation, we will start understanding the caregiving responsibilities of our team. A lot of team, a lot of managers, a lot of companies have no idea the extent to which caregiving affects their team or the performance of their team, right? They will just come to you and say, Chris, you know, we didn't hit this quarter. We, you know, this happened and that happened. It's not true. Half of the time, we know that productivity is only down because people have an enormous amount of caregiving responsibility that that has not been acknowledged. And so when we want to talk about care in the workplace, we just need to start with checking in with each other. So you've touched on this, but um, can you talk about the, the role that men need to play in this transformation. It's, it's clearly uh, centuries or millennia old uh, st- structural system and, and mindset that men don't turn to, to those thoughts of care. So how, how, what, what is the role that, that, that men need to play and how does that transformation happen? Chris, you know, I think we are just a lazy generation. Um, I, I think we are because, you know, we've ta- we, we talk about the gender equity gap right? And we say, oh, it's going to take 130 years. Really? You know, we had a vaccine in two years, under two years, maybe a year, right? Um, (laughs) When we said, you know, we can, uh, we all now need to work from home very quickly. We were able to scale Zoom. We were able to scale, I mean, WebEx changed overnight. So many people changed their way of life just like that. Um, But somehow when it comes to the issue of gender equity, when it comes to the role women play in the workplace, that is going to take 135 years. I'm not following. And so I think that this is because men do not value care, right? And this is why I say that it should be paramount to, if we really want to take the advancement of women in the workplace seriously, if we really want to take the care, um, not just as a, 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 a lot of time, we believe that care is a woman's issue, Right. If we really want to say, hey, care is everyone's issue, right? Then we all need to commit to it. We need to commit to, and I think that we can even commit individually as a company to say, here at Indeed, we are going to close the gender equity gap in 10 years. 
And so what does that mean? It means that as a C-level executive, right, you know, start with doing laundry at home. We want to, we're going to talk about that at, you know, we're going to talk about that when we check in every, every month or what have you. I'm just using laundry as an example. There are so many other things. It could be, you know, dropping off your kids. There are so many lists, right, of things that we could be doing. Because I really at the center of it is that if men truly value care, we would have closed the gender equity gap. And I think that we made some progress, right, with, with the pandemic. Because, you know, suddenly my husband is, you know, is the one, you know, doing half of the um, the chores at home, is running around doing groceries and cleaning up and all that, because they could see, right, that, wow, this is serious. And so, and, and that was because it became visible. That care work became visible. And a lot of the men that stepped up were the men that fully considered their partners, right? So what is it about, about, about men that we have not been able to turn that, flip that switch, to say, how do we care at home? How do we consider our partner? How do we consider, you know, what is happening in our family? And I think the, the, even the workplace, we need, we have a lot to do with that when it comes to paid parental leave, right? It needs to be equitable. It needs to be equitable because, you know, guess what? Those first, you know, the, I, I used to work for BASF and they gave, you know, the men eight weeks and the women had 16 weeks. You know, those first eight weeks, gee, you know, you're just even trying to get your bearings, right? And so then the last eight weeks, the man has disappeared, you know? Um, some of them don't even take it. I had to fight tooth and nail with my husband when he took his paid parental leave. I said, you have to take that leave. I don't care what your manager says, but you, I have, we have four kids now. I'm sorry, dude. You know, you just have to, you have to figure it out. And he paid for it because he went back to the workplace. And guess what? His manager was extremely upset because Mark, you know, Mark and his, Mark only took two weeks. This was Mark's firstborn and he only took two weeks. How dare you take eight weeks? So we need to put our foot down in the workplace and say, I don't care. Everyone has to take their paid parental leave, period. And it doesn't matter if you come back and say, oh, no, you know, it was because I was working on a huge project. Well, sorry, you know, somebody else will take over that. And when you come back, you can continue. But you're not going to prioritize work over this moment that you're never going to get back. That is your humanity. You're never going to get it back. I mean, think about that. When, my, when, my, when I was pregnant, when I, when I was pregnant, my fourth child, and my husband had to take over, um, you know, giving our kids a bath. And, um, you know, I would make dinner and he would, you know, take the kids up, give them a bath and, you know, put them in their pajamas and put them to bed. And one day I decided, okay, I'm just going to walk up the stairs so I can, you know, just see what they are doing. Um, so I walk up the stairs and I see my husband, he'd already showered one child and, you know, placed the child next to, you know, on the bed and went back into the bathroom and, you know, washed off the bathtub. It laid down the bat mats and it brought out another set of toys, which was, which was for the second child. And he's singing and they're all, you know, just having fun. And I was like, this is, this is, is humanity, right? This is what the workplace would have taken away from him. And for what, right? But guess what? When he returns into the workplace, now he's even more motivated because those are the children that he is fighting for every day. So now he's more motivated to do his best work. Mm. So these are the things that we need to find ways. You know, I don't have all the answers, but how do we find ways to ensure 
that we are leaving room for humanity in the workplace. That it's not just about, you know, hitting all the numbers because we're going to hit those numbers. We are going to hit those numbers. We've seen that when the pandemic came and everybody went home and we thought, oh, nobody's going to get anything done. It's all going to be, you know, productivity is going to be down. Well, that was not true, right? Productivity went up. So that already is an experiment that when we give people flexibility, when we trust people and we allow that humanity to take shape in their lives, that wonderful things can actually happen. Well, that is... uh... That is really beautiful. Um, uh, I think wrap up. We, uh, I, I could keep talking for a very long time here, but uh, we need to we need to come to a close. And so I'm going to um, ask you the same question that I always ask at the end, which is, you know, really looking back over the last two and a half years, uh, especially through the lens of this pandemic, with all the challenges that we've all faced, what what in the middle of all that has left you? with any optimism for the future? Oh, I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm, I'm filled with hope um, and, and optimism because I actually see, um, you know, we are moving in the right direction. Um, I see a lot of men like my husband, like my friends, um, you know, husband who, you know, in the past literally missed his child's um, birth because he had to travel for work and it was an important project right? Which didn't end up getting approved, but he missed his child's birth. Um, and now he has prioritized, right? Taking his child to the dentist, taking his child to the, to the pediatrician's office, um, taking his child to, you know, um, to, you know, soccer games and all of these different things. I'm seeing that a lot of men are, they've realized that, you know, in order for us to really we need to make sure that every aspect of our lives are working, right? It can't just be that work is working for us and that our homes are not working, right? Um, or that our family, right? Our parents, our village is not working. It's only, you know, there's a difference in Nigeria and America, and I'm going to tell you. We prioritize our village, right? Our parents, brothers, sisters, their kids, you know, you sort of need to make sure that they are fine. Even though they know your kids, they know, you know, you're like, you know what? I got to make sure, right? So there's a lot of prioritization that goes there because those are the people that catches us, right? When we fall, but we have not left room for the average American to even prioritize their extended family. We haven't even left room for them to prioritize their current family. And so, you know, so many of us say, you know, where's the village, right? Well, the village no longer exists because we didn't care about the village. Um, and so how do we, how do we bring care um, you know, and heart into um, our work, into the workplace, um, and into our homes. And I think that, you know, it needs to go both ways, right? It needs to be men and women doing the work. Women being able to let go and let men do certain things. Um, like I said, I had to just turn away, turn away from my husband doing the bath duties. That's on you. You do the conception, you do the planning, you do the execution. Right. So instead of asking me, you know, where are the bad toys? He went online and he ordered the bad toys from Amazon and now he has bad toys. And so, you know, really trusting, um, you know, our partners, trusting our managers, you know, having that conversation. A lot of time, you know, we wait for managers to know that we believe managers know everything. 
I've been there where I'm like, why is this, why is this lady not, you know, paying attention to me? Why doesn't he, doesn't she know that I have this or I have that responsibilities? But a lot of time they also have their own personal issues, right? They have other things that they're dealing with as well. So having that conversation with them as well and saying, hey, this is where, you know, I think we can shift this a little bit. I need support here, but I'm willing to do extra here, right? Um, so those are some of the ways that, you know, we've been able to um, really el- talk about this issue of, you know, um, hope and optimism, right? Because the only way we can even have optimism is by doing the work. You know, a lot of time we believe that, oh, it's it's all kumbaya. No, we have to have that difficult conversations and say, Chris, you know, um, I think that in order for us to really hit these productivity numbers, um, we really need to be more flexible in how we do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, so being transparent, being 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 um, you know, really f- looking to um, really trusting that the other person can hear us, they can see us, that they can support us will also go a long way. Well. Uh- Blessing, thank you so much. This has been an extraordinary conversation. Um, I'm uh, so uh, uh, just grateful to get the chance to sit down and talk to you about this. But I, I'm so I'm so grateful to everything that you do for uh, for women and for everyone uh, around the world. And look forward to a long and fruitful partnership. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, it's been a pleasure working with your team, um, working with Indeed, um, and. And it's, it's truly amazing to see all the amazing things that Indeed is doing, um, not just for women, but for everyone. Um, and I think that you are you are all onto, onto something here at Indeed, um, especially when it comes to, you know, how is the future really going to work, right? Um, and the future, we only work when we center care and when we value care and commit to it. And so Indeed is committing to care. So that's amazing to see. <laughs> Well, thanks, and uh, have a wonderful day, and thanks, everyone, for joining us. Here to Help is a production of Indeed. Today's episode was produced by Aidan McLaughlin, Evan Fallon, Vernally James, and David Hardstein, Shelby Haddon, and the Blue Suitcase production team in Austin, Texas, with technical support from Jacob Bennett and Edward Blisniak. Thanks for listening to Here to Help. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Until next time.